we really need to be awake today. Trust me. We're going to be hitting on some text this morning, and uh, we're going to go really, really, really touchy-feely today. So for those of you that that just terrified you, we could use a few more volunteers up in Kid Zone. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could, but uh, don't run out today. You know, it's kind of amazing. I always kind of know when um, God's going to work um, by the sleep I get the night before. It's kind of one of those weird things when you kind of do what I do. Twelve years of pastoral ministry have never called in sick on a Sunday morning, ever. It was really close this morning. <laughs> really close. I was like about to sh- give Dan a heart attack saying, you're up, Dan, because I'm not coming in. So uh, <laughs> so Dan must be is very happy to see me here this morning. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, we're, we're in this series called Come to Worship. And what we're doing is we're looking at what the Bible has to say when it comes to worship. And when I mean worship, I don't mean living my life as a spiritual act of worship. I mean in the praise and adoration of God. I think sometimes we as Western Christians, we, we, we ignore the teachings of the Bible when it comes to worship because we really kind of just look at worship as how we live our lives. But nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere do the teachings of Jesus or the the teachings of the apostles do away with the gathering of the children of God to worship him in spirit and in truth. Nowhere. Nowhere is that done away with. And so the teachings of Scripture are still relevant to us on what it means to be men and women, boys and girls, who put ourselves in a posture of worship to hear from God. And so through this series, uh, we're really focusing on this idea that we want to be kind of like the Magi in the Christmas story. When they go to the King of Israel and they say, we have come to worship him. We want to approach this Christmas season with a heart of worship, not about what I get in the Christmas season, but rather how we approach God with a heart of worship. And I firmly believe the greatest thing that you and I can receive this Christmas season is a greater heart for worshiping God. And so last week we started this off, we talked about the posture of lifting hands. The biblical teaching of lifting hands is clear. I don't care. Can I say that lovingly? Can I? I don't care what your preference is. I don't care what your denominational practice is. The book says, do it. So do we actually allow the word of God to dictate how we lift, lift our hands in worship, how we approach the throne of God in worship, or do we let our flesh dictate how we're going to do it? So it was a very practical one, and then we're going to talk for the next two weeks after this one on very practical things as well. We're going to talk about bowing our knees in worship. And I think that's one of those um, baby-in-the-bathwater situations where we as kind of uh, Protestants have, have taken away the idea of falling to our knees in worship. So we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about that. Next week, we're going to talk about bringing our gifts as an act of worship. And so just kind of to set up next week, Next week, we're going to be doing, we're going to be taking a special benevolent offering next week. This is the time of year 
People are hurting and people are struggling financially. And for those of us who have been blessed with much, much is expected of us. And how do we, as an act of worship, bring our gifts before God so that God's blessing can pour out to many people? So next week, come prepared, seek God, pray this week, and ask God about how you could be used as a blessing, bringing those gifts as a spiritual act of worship, as we can bless so many in our church and in our community who are struggling this Christmas season. Another quick announcement that I want to just draw to your attention is we as church leaders here take your growth, your spiritual growth, very seriously as leaders. We don't do the church thing just for the sake of church thing. We don't do the, hey, we just kind of gather, hey, we like the program, we like the music, we like the kids thing, we like the youth thing. The preaching's fine occasionally when he's not totally jacked up on nighttime NyQuil or anything like that, okay? Um, But church is so much more. It's about our walk with Jesus, And how are you and I actually intentionally becoming disciples of Jesus? And not just for our own sake, but so that God could use us to bless the world. That's the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to go out into all the nations. Go out into all the nations as you go. Baptizing people. Telling people about Christ. Following and being obedient to Jesus in our lives. And so kind of an early Christmas gift that we have for everyone this morning is something that is called Right Now Media. I was going to roll this out in the new year and um, just decided, ah, let's do this for Christmas instead. So Merry Christmas. I have a gift for you. If you uh, are a regular attender here, you would have received an email invitation on Friday with a big button to accept the invitation. Hopefully you accepted it. And what this is, this is basically the Netflix of Christian Bible study. And we want to make this available to you and your family so that you can grow in knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. Because I know what, you know, in a church of our size where we have in our database uh, about 400 people who call Greenbelt home, all of us are, are going through different things. And sometimes to get the resources that we need to grow in our faith isn't always easy. And sometimes, let's be honest, we're not overly comfortable to share with people the things that we're struggling with in our marriages, with our kids, in our finances, with sex issues and things like that. Right now, media is put out by, like, the best Bible teachers out there and the best Christian resources out there. And this is yours for free that you can watch this on any mobile device. You can stream it to your television if you've got those streaming on there. So we are just excited to give that to you as a gift and use it. This is something that we can use for outreach events as well. We used it at our military party yesterday to just bless people and say, hey, you don't come to church? Awesome. For you. So if you didn't get the email, um, that means you're not in my database and I can't track you. So if you would like this tool, um, I won't put you in the database and track you, but you need to email me, kevin at green.church. I will set you up. Help you grow in your faith. Go here. Our church is a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Every believer is called to make a difference in the world, to love God completely, and to make disciples every nation. But in this busy, mobile, noisy world, it can be difficult to even do the basics, to pray, 
to read the Word, to bring the love of God to our marriages, families, neighbors, and co-workers. We know you're here because you want to be a part of God's mission on the earth. You want to experience the abundant life that Scripture talks about. You're looking to connect your faith to every part of your life, every day of the week. That's why our church is subscribing to Right Now Media and making it available for free to every member of our church. You'll have access to over 10,000 online Bible study videos on parenting, marriage, finance, discipleship, leadership, and many more. The videos can be used in Bible study groups or for personal devotion. There's also a huge library of safe biblical kids' videos. We'd love to see every member of our church utilizing Right Now Media. Small group leaders leading their adult or youth groups through engaging Bible study series. Children enjoying safe programming that doesn't just entertain, but helps lay a strong spiritual foundation. Families spending quality time together, going through devotional Bible studies. Couples using biblical studies on marriage, parenting, and finance. Applying God's Word to every area of their lives. There is something for everyone. We want to help you grow as a disciple of Christ. And we want to help you become a disciple maker in your home, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, in whatever mission field God has called you to. We believe that this free resource will help equip and unleash you to live out your faith in every area of life. To experience God-centered, abundant life, not just on Sundays, but every day. We are for you, and God is for you. He wants to empower you every day to live for Him. Together, we can be a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. So we have these thousands of resources now available to you. Again, if you didn't get the email Friday, the invitation, email me, kevin at greenbelt.church. Oh, and did I mention it's free? It's completely and totally free for you. We're, we're covering that as a church to bless your family, to grow in your walk with Jesus. Okay, so hopefully that's a good Christmas present for you this year. Um, let's get back to talking about worship. It's going to get really touchy-feely today. Because I want to talk about pouring out your heart. I want to talk about pouring out our hearts as a posture of worship. Uh, two pastors who I greatly admire, and you now have access to tons of their teaching through Right Now Media, are two pastors named Matt Chandler and James McDonald. Now, Matt Chandler and James McDonald are about as reformed, Calvinistic as you can get. Now, if you're here today and you don't know what those two terms mean, cool, no problem. We'll help disciple you one day. They're, you know, don't split churches over these terms. Sadly, too many of us do. Reformed means the Bible and the Bible alone. The Bible and the Bible alone, not church tradition, not personal preference, not how I feel. The Bible, the Bible alone. That's what Reformed means. Calvinism, what it means in a nutshell is it's all the work of God. God, 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 completely the work of God. God, the sovereignty of God. God moving and God working and God saving. It's all about God. You didn't do anything. God loved you. God saved you. And he's working in you to change your life and to change lives around you. Okay. So two of the most reformed Calvinistic guys out there have been doing an incredible amount of teaching on the topic of worship. And I find their teaching incredibly fascinating because of their reformed theology. They're Bible people. They're, in, they're great Bible teachers, profound Bible teachers, and they're in the Word of God, and they're looking at this topic of worship. 
Uh, Matt Chandler released an article just this past week on churchleaders.com talking how he is beginning to feel like a theological orphan among the Reformed Calvinistic churches. That for some reason, Reformed Calvinistic churches see worship as something we tolerate until we get to the good stuff called the sermon. And more and more pastors seem to be leading their churches that worship is something that we tolerate, that we put up with to get to the meat of God's word. We see more and more Christians waiting out in the cafe during times of worship in order to get to the important stuff, the word of God. And Matt Chandler says, we're on a dangerous, slippery slope if we think of worship that way. James McDonald has written probably the greatest book I have ever written on the topic of worship. And he writes in his book, Vertical Church, he writes this, reading glasses. I don't know why it's stupid reading glasses. Here we go. Anyways, okay. Ah, I can see it. Okay. This is what James McDonald, again, Calvinistic, reformed, what the Bible says. This is his conclusion When it comes to worship, he says most Christians just don't get it. He says this, when worship is an intellectual exercise only, we can choose to check out. But when worship involves emotive expression, the whole person is drawn in. Emotions like gratitude and lament, joy and contrition must well up inside the one who rightly conceives that God is not just present in our praise, but leaning in to love us back and manifest his glory. The idea of worship without emotion in our engagement engagement with God in three persons should be as repulsive to us as any passionateless interaction with with a precious human relationship. My wife doesn't want to hear me recite a mere formula as an expression of scheduled affection for her. And God does not visit shoulder-up, heartless recitations of, it's Sunday morning at 11, time to review the God formula. (laughs) See, the Bible has a lot to say when it comes to your heart. See, and we're going to spend all of our time in the Old Testament this morning because the Hebrew view of the heart is your being. It is who you are. The Hebrews believe that your personality is contained in your heart. The expression of who you are is all about the heart. And that is why the Old Testament prophets pray to God that God, that you would give people a new heart. See, when you were born in your sin, before you knew Jesus, the Bible teaches that you had a heart of stone. Your heart was dead. You were spiritually dead. And the Old Testament prophet cries out to God to remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh to completely change who they are. And that's who you and I are as followers of Jesus. That that heart of stone had been removed and we've been given a heart of flesh. And so how do we approach God with a heart that pours out to him in worship? When we feel blessed, 
when we feel thankful, when we feel overwhelmed with God's goodness, we pour out our hearts to him. What about when in, in life you just feel blah? You're just kind of going through the motions of life. How do you bring your heart into that posture of worship in those times? Or what about times when you're hurting or you're confused or you feel alone or you're struggling? Do you check those hearts at the door when you come in here on Sunday morning or do you actually bring that heart into a posture of worship? Because this is what we see in the Psalms. In Psalm 142, the psalmist writes this. He says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell him my trouble. I cry to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. In Psalm 62, we see the same kind of theme of pouring out our hearts. The psalmist writes, trust in him at all times. You trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Right? The word refuge means it, it, it's, it's the condition of feeling completely and totally safe. It's, it's a shelter from pursuit. It's a shelter from attack. It's, it's in a place where you can escape danger and trouble and hardship. That is what the refuge is. Who do you turn to as your refuge when you worship? Where do you go when you're hurt, when you're scared, when you're confused, when you're hangry, or when you're blah, or when you're happy and you're joyful? And you're excited. Where do you go in your refuge? Um, I have been learning an amazing amount on worship because of my dog. Now, I love cats. I'm a cat guy. I have had a cat my whole life. I love cats. I have a dog. Can can you dog people? odd okay like (laughs) this thing smells this thing wakes me up every night at two o'clock wanting more food and you know what i actually do i've just gotten the bag is open it's right there you dumb dog just help yourself stop waking me up okay this dog okay and this and 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 i gave in to like 15 years of my children begging for a dog, I cracked. I finally caved in, and I got my kids a dog so they could have a dog. It's my dog. Okay? There are five people who live in my home. If I'm home, the dog is beside me. If I'm in the basement, the dog is with me. If I don't go to bed and all the kids are like, come sleep with me, come, come sleep with me, the dog growls at them. Because she wants to stay with me. I guess it's kind of cool. I guess I'm the alpha male. So that kind of makes me feel very manly. So that's kind of cool. But I am learning so much about worship from this stupid dog. (sighs) I do love her, I guess. I don't know, in a weird kind of way. So when we get thunderstorms, this dog goes crazy. I've never seen anything like this. Cats just look at the thunder and go, 
Okay, dogs don't do that. Because <laughs> this dog goes absolutely ballistic, absolutely nuts. I've ne- like, I, like I've never seen a dog sweat. Like she's in a complete and total state of panic in these times of thunderstorms. And this dog does one thing and one thing alone. is finds refuge in the Alpha. She I, doesn't matter. Like I remember once I was sitting at my desk at home and I'm doing some work. The power went out. So I'm still working on my laptop. This is great. And this dog who weighs about 110 pounds, not a lap dog, jumps up onto the desk, jumps into my arms <laughs> and shows me her belly in this thunderstorm, in this adoration of the one who can bring refuge in a time of storm. How do we approach God that way? Do we approach God with this heart that we see in the psalmist, that I will trust him at all times. I will pour out my heart to him. I'll bring him my complaints. I'll tell him my troubles. I will cry out to you, Lord, because you are my refuge. The Bible teaches us that when two or more people are gathered in the name of Jesus to worship him, God is here. And we can run to God as refuge here. And that's the beauty of corporate worship compared to staying home and listening to your favorite worship singer on Spotify. There's a difference that when we gather together in spirit and in truth, God shows up and we can run to him in a posture of worship, of pouring out our hearts to him because he's our refuge. And we worship him with that posture of pouring out our hearts. And so what does pouring out our hearts do? What does the Bible teach us? about this concept of pouring out our hearts. Again, I really want to stick into the Old Testament, but there is teaching on this in the New as well, because I just love the Hebrew in this. It's just so rich. Um, But I believe there's two things that the Old Testament will teach us when it comes to pouring out our hearts as a posture of worship. The first is this, is that as we pour out our hearts to God in a posture of worship, we remember God's faithfulness in the past. We can remember God's faithfulness in the past. Let's read together. I'm going to read Psalm 42. Psalm 42. If you have a Bible or if the church app, you can follow along or you can watch it on the screen here. But Psalm 42 is this beautiful psalm of running to God in refuge, remembering what God has done in the past. It starts in verse 1. It says, As a deer pants for streams of water, So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Ha! Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throngs. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
I always love when we argue over worship as Christians. I go, worship is supposed to be quiet and somber. Study your Bible. It's actually loud and joyful. There are times for quiet contemplation. But rarely do we see that taught in the Word of God. Most pictures of worship are, I remember these things. I remember the shouts of joy and the praise among the festive. Because when you're hurting, when you're scared, when storms of life show up, do you remember the quietness sometimes? Do you remember the times when God showed up? When we praised him. When we met with him. When we heard from him. When we knew he was at work. Right? And this is what I love about this psalm. We're not 100% sure who wrote it. But we believe that it's, it's either David who wrote it or it's at least telling the story of David when his children, when Absalom rebelled against him. And was trying to take over. All of his enemies were coming before him. And people were mocking David going, Ha! Where is this God of yours? Where is he? Because look at all your enemies. All the people who hate you. Even your own son wants to destroy you. Where is your God? And the psalmist doesn't focus on the pain. He focuses on the praise. He remembers God's faithfulness in the past to deal with what he's dealing with right now. He pours out that heart to remember God's faithfulness. We see this again in Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations in about 586 B.C. He wrote this after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And in chapter 3, he writes that he is a man who has seen affliction. In chapter 3 alone, there are 19 verses about pain and anguish and complaint. And then he writes this in verse 19. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We pour out our hearts as a posture of worship to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Sometimes you will be in a season of life where God seems incredibly silent. Where God feels incredibly distant and, and enemies are attacking. You just feel like life is blah. You can't make much sense of it. And sometimes the only thing that we can praise God for the fact, the only thing we can praise God for is the fact that we are his children. Sometimes that's all you got. And that's a great thing because ultimately that's all that matters is that God has saved you. That God has so loved you 
that he didn't require you to be religious. He didn't require you to keep all these commandments. He didn't require you to be a good boy or a good girl. He didn't set up this big giant list of 613 things and you better do them or I'm going to hate God sent Jesus to die for you, to pay for your sins, to take on your sin, to basically become sin. And the wrath of God against sin was poured out on Jesus and not on you and I. And that alone is a great reason to pour out our hearts in praise. Thank you, God, for saving a sinner like me. When you're going through those seasons of pain and you feel like God is not answering, do you take time in your worship to remember when God has answered prayers in the past? Because he's faithful. That's what he says in Lamentations. God, you're faithful. You've answered before. I can trust you again. Can I lead into that? Or in times when money is tight, And maybe you've gone through that before and God has provided before. (laughs) And we can trust that he will provide again. How do we bring those hearts into our worship experience where it's not? And and this is the danger and I get it. This is the tension that we have, you know, in in our kind of tribe is, oh, does this mean we're all going to be these loopy people barking like cats on Sunday morning? No, (laughs) it's not what it means. (laughs) But can we actually come to God with our full being? Because he saved us. Because he answers prayer. Because he provides for us. Because he's faithful. Because when we come to God that way, it changes how we worship. It moves worship from just being this head thing or this thing that we tolerate to get to the good stuff. Just get to the sermon. This song again. Softly loud. We're really good as Christians with the. <laughs> what about our hearts? I this this teaching became incredibly real to me, eleven years ago. Uh, eleven years ago, I went to Saddleback Church in California. So this is Rick Warren's church, the guy, the author of the Purpose Driven Life. So I went to his church for some training, and uh, they had a night of worship that night. And, and it, there was kind of a bunch of people who'd been part of the Celebrate Recovery program. So I got to meet this guy who, um, you know, was a former drug addict. He'd been clean and sober for a couple of years. He was now a leader in Celebrate Recovery in Saddleback. And so he's on my, on my left. And on my right is my pastor, kind of the, the guy who discipled me, the guy who mentored me, the guy who said, hey, Kevin, you should be a pastor one day. He met with me at 4 a.m. every Tuesday morning to pray for me as I was kind of making this transition of becoming going from the computer industry to being a pastor. So, you know, if you don't like my sermons, call David Knight. It's all his fault, okay? <laughs> he was the guy who really encouraged me to go into ministry. So I've got this former drug addict on one side, and I've got David on the other side, and we're sitting there singing, you know, beautiful, sunny California, and the band gets up and starts singing, Blessed Be Your Name. You know, oh, God, you give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Easy to sing when all's good. 
got a former drug addict on one side, on his knees, in tears, because he knows what he's been saved from. My life is perfect. I have no problems in my life. I'm like, oh, look, and not only are we singing the song, it's actually Matt Redman. Oh, my goodness, this is awesome. I wonder if I can get his autograph after. And I got my pastor on the other side of me, who that year lost his wife to one of the ugliest forms of cancer, most painful forms of cancer I have ever witnessed. And he's furious with God. His hopes, his dreams, his ministry partner, his life mate, the woman that he loved the most on this planet, taken away in the most painful of experiences. And he is bringing his anger to God in worship. And here I am sitting here going, oh my goodness, worship is so much bigger than what I think it is. When we remember the faithfulness of God to save us from our sin, when we come to God in our pain and our hurt and our anger, this is what bringing your heart to worship means, of pouring out our hearts to remember the past, but remember God's faithfulness in the past, that he's with you, that he's got this, and we bring those hearts before him. We remember the faithfulness of God, and so we need to let that turn into worship. The second thing that pouring out our heart does as a posture of worship, it allows us, it helps us to trust in God's power for your future. To trust in God's power for your future. Right? In Psalm 102, it's a great psalm. This is what the psalmist writes. He talks about, he, he's completely pouring out his heart here. Right, look at the honesty in this psalm of Psalm 100. Alone on a roof, all day long my enemies taunt me, for I eat ashes as my food. With tears. This is a man who's kind of coming before God in pain and in hurt and in anger and in frustration. And then he says three words. And I think these three words are some of the most powerful words in our Bible. And they, the words are, but you, Lord. Here's my pain, hurt, here's my anguish, here's my trouble, here's my frustration. But you, Lord. And look at the shift in the psalm. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. (laughs) Pouring out our heart as an posture of worship reminds us that God has control over our future and God's power is available in our future and we can trust that. Right? God is powerful. God sits on the throne. You and I, Don't sit on the throne. We don't. God sits on the throne. Sometimes in our hurt and our pain and our sorrow and our frustration, we look to people to pull us out of this. Sometimes people look to the pastor to pull them out of this. And I sit there and go, I point you to the one who's on the throne. 
Because he has power. He's got the words of life. He can transform. He can. I love Psalm 40. My favorite version of Psalm 40 is sung by Bono and you too. I was singing Christian songs in high school. I didn't even know it. Right? That I put my feet upon the rock. He lifts me up out of the miry clay. That is the power of God on the throne. And we need to approach him in that way in worship. You and I, what we need to do sometimes in worship is not check our hearts. Don't leave your heart in the car because you're worried what people are going to think. Who cares what they think? But what God wants to do, he wants to make his power real to you in your life. And so you and I sometimes just need to push back the pain. We need to push through the pain, sorry. We need to push through the pain and turn our hearts to praise. We push through the pain and we bring our hearts to a place of praise. But you, Lord, when you've lost someone, when you feel rejected, when you're dealing with unemployment, when you're dealing with financial stress, when you're dealing with medical issues, when you don't understand what God is doing in your life, when you feel afraid, when you feel confused, or when everything just feels blah, do you push through it? Pour out your heart to God in those times. God can handle it. He can handle it. He's on the throne. He's all powerful. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He can take care of these things if we trust him with these things. We cry out to you, God. And not as a distant God, not as a God who's angry, but as a loving father who wants to give good things to his children. What good father kicks away their children in times of pain? What loving father kicks away his children when they're scared and hurting? I don't even do it with my smelly dog. Okay, Paisley. My goodness, I don't, it doesn't matter how many times I bathe this dog. Stinks! But I will bring that comfort as, as love. And God wants to do that for you and for me. If we actually bring him our hearts, don't check your hearts out in worship. Bring it as an act of praise. So I'm going to call the worship team back up. And we're going to sing one last song together. Blessed be your name. Such a great little catchy tune. We all know it. But if things are great in your life right now, pour out your heart in thanksgiving to him. Blessed be your name.